Well, I'm just going to jump straight in to our teaching time. Um, if you're new to Believers Church, and you know, we have a, a team of pastors that help lead this community together, and so I'm one of those guys. And so last week we talked about just this more of a kind of a sense of what is God doing in Believers Church right now. And, and we talked about um, these three things, that God's leading us into this space where we get to rediscover the basics of what it means to follow Him, what it means to be the people of God. And then we get to repent where that is, it's a joy word, it's a fun word that says, wait, I'm looking at what it looks like to follow Jesus uh, according to scriptures and what Jesus is telling us in that simple, basic way and comparing with what's going on in my life and I get to drop the stuff that's not necessary. Isn't that fun? You know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that we carry around that we think is Jesus-y, but it's really not. It's Jesus-y, it's just not Jesus, you know. And so we get to repent of those things. And we looked at the story of Josiah um, to kind of, you know, give this whole deal. I'm not going to redo that whole sermon. But the final thing we do is reform. Is we, we don't just change our minds, but then we start to behave differently. We start... We restart the basics, re-engage what we know it means to just follow Jesus simply. And then also, we saw with Josiah that there's idols that have to be removed. What we mean by idols is, really, here's, here's the deal with idol. Anything that demands your devotion and energy is an idol. <laughs> Anything that's, you, and I'll add this, that puts, puts above Jesus, that's anything above Jesus that the, the, the van, demands your energy and your devotion is an idol. That can even be good things. It can be good things. And the other thing that's tricky is they can be things that have been around a long time and we're so familiar with them we don't even notice them. And it's one of the things the Lord's helping us to do is to recognize, you know, things that are just super obvious, seem obvious and seem normal to us. And Jesus is saying, well, that's not really normal. <laughs> so let's get rid of that. Okay? So... We're going to talk today about the idol of racism. Woohoo! Something light. We're keeping it light these days. And and the, why are we doing that? Well, several things. <laughs> Strangely enough, Jesus has been nudging me since about 2017 about the whole idea of ethnic diversity. I'll just be very straight up and honest. I had no idea what to do with it. I was like, okay. Oh, all right. And then... But what's, you know, as you've been around the last year or so, it was like, okay, God was giving me a heads up about something here. I still didn't, you know, really know what to do with it. But I feel like he's been giving us more clarity of what's on his heart, what's interesting to him. And, of course, the centennial of the Tulsa Race Massacre, so interesting, guys. Um, this is such a big deal in the history, not just of our city, but really our nation. And it's just kind of weird how much I, I personally didn't know that much about it, honestly. I just knew it had happened. But the more I've been paying attention to the history, I thought, oh my, this is super, super important because it's deeply formed the spirituality, the headspace, the, the whole terror, the, 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 the landscape of our city. hundred years is not a long time. It's just not a long time in history. And so, so it's really critical that we pay attention to this moment and hear what God is saying to us in it. Believe it or not, you may have seen this, the nation is, the eyes of the nation are on Tulsa right now. We've had people testify before Congress about the race massacre. It's, it's been, this, this last week, it's, it's a significant deal. And then, of course, there's just this national conversation that's going on that I think we just, we need to address in the spirit. We'll talk about that a little bit more. So I was asking the Lord, um, um, God, how, how do you want to look at this whole thing? And I felt like he just gave me this, this front end of Ephesians uh, to situate us and then to try to kind of look at this whole idea of rediscovering, repenting, and reforming. And so I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do what I did last week, which is a big risk, which is I'm gonna read a whole big passage of scripture to you. 
I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 2, and a little bit of 3. Now, I know that sounds like a lot. I timed myself. It's like eight minutes. Because I thought, man, this feels like forever. But it's like, wow. It's kind of a weird world I live in that eight minutes feels like forever. Right? You know? Um, but there's, there's just something to the scriptures that's impossible to reproduce by just me yammering. Does that make sense? That this, a friend of mine, Eric Parker, um, is a pastor in Bristow. He and I were hanging out this week and he said, the scriptures have their own glory that need no help. I have to tell you this story. He, he, he was telling me, like, you just have no idea what's going on in the world. I'm so naive. He's in this little church in Bristow, and from time to time, a witch would just show up in his services. Like, weird stuff, right? And so she wouldn't say anything, but he had some more than, on more than one occasion, uh, a, a guest speaker, this witch would show up, and they'd like lose track of their thoughts. They, I mean, it just got funky. So he had this guy in that had apparently run into this before. Um, so this lady shows up and Eric's like, oh, great. And this guy, this guy's preaching and he just, he goes, oh, hey, I've heard about you. I, oh, okay. Hey guys, let me show you how we, how we deal with this. He opens up the book of Acts and he just begins to read. And he gets to the point uh, where Simon the magician is, is, uh, coming after Paul and Paul or was it Peter and John I don't know and, and and he's like he just rebukes him and right in the middle of it she stands up and goes running out of the sanctuary all he did was read the scriptures that was it there's enough power in God's word to do what he's meaning to do okay so 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 I'm going to read this you can just settle in if you want to f- follow <clears throat> It's going to start in chapter or verse three in chapter one, and just go all the way through. Um, uh, no, did I, what did I just say? Chapter one, verse three. It's up there to chapter three, verse twelve. And it's it's one of the things. Think about this. Paul wrote this letter to this church. To, this is what you did. You just read through it. Oh, he wrote us a letter. Let's read this thing. So we're just going to read half the letter actually. So. Um, just settle in, NIV, follow along on your, your uh, device if you want to. Otherwise, just sit back and listen. So, Lord, we do ask that you'd open our hearts. Open our hearts. You talked about that this, your, your word is God-breathed. It's inspired. And it cuts down even between the stuff that confuses us and isn't clear. And it transforms us. And so, Lord, will you open our hearts to that? Amen. Paul says this to the Ephesian church. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In Him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him, who works out everything in conformity with the purposes of His will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. For this reason, 
Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace You have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, because of all this, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who's made the two groups One, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you Gentiles are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. 
That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I've already written briefly. In, in reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel with a gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past, was kept hidden in God, who created all things. God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Lord bless the reading of your word. So I'm going to apply just this whole idea, just using this text of rediscovering the basics, repenting and then reforming. So here we go. So what can we rediscover just from this passage about what it means to know and follow Jesus? The first thing is we get to rediscover the good news, the gospel. What do we talk about when we say the gospel? And the first thing we hear is, see, is that the good news is this, is that between us and God, everything is okay. Because of Jesus and our faith in Jesus. See, we started dead in sins, in, in, unable to comprehend what's real and true in God himself. We're dominated by the world powers. Paul calls it the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that there's these superstructures spiritually that are over us and keeping us blind. And because of our own behavior, we deserve wrath from God. And Paul goes on to say we're without hope and without God. Pretty dark space. But Jesus comes and in Jesus, God says, I want you. I choose you. I forgive you. I'm bringing you alive. I'm going to make you blameless and holy. I'm going to make you my child, adopt you. And I'm going to show you the mystery of God's will that has never been known before. I'm going to seal you by giving you the Holy Spirit that Roger was talking about so that you don't have to worry if you're in the family or if this is all going to work out for you. The Holy Spirit is telling you. And not only that, not only did Jesus be seated above all rule and authority, but we're seated with Him so that we're seated with Him in authority over the demonic strongholds that we see talking about by Paul. And here's the crazy thing. This all happens by grace because of his choice to offer it by our faith responding saying, okay, I can't, I can't get there myself. I can't bring myself alive. I can't make my harms be, be made right, my sins right. But by faith in your grace, you give me the chance, and not only that, then I'm raised up into my true identity for good works that God prepared. He actually made me for. He made me for good works, prepared beforehand to walk out, but I couldn't do it till I received the life of Jesus to be the person I was made to be. So that's the one thing we get. Man, if we could just talk about that and contemplate that over and over again. This is so critical that we rediscover the simple gospel of Jesus. But here's what we see in this passage is not only is the gospel being reconciled to God, but the gospel, the gospel, the gospel always has to include being reconciled to each other. In fact, in this passage, Paul sets out all the individual benefits and then he uses the word, therefore. The reason I told you all this 
Whenever you see a therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. This is good Bible reading. Really in anything. If there's a therefore, what's the therefore? It's because we're reconciled to each other. Now here's, he says Gentiles. Those who are on the outs with God. Those who are not, you know, there's hundreds, thousands of years of history of Israel being the chosen people of God that God's working with. Working through. But Paul's saying, I've been entrusted with this crazy mystery. It's not what God's doing to restore the earth to what he already always dreamed it to be. It's not just for this one people. It's for the Gentiles. They were far away from God without God's promises. Not part of his people. And the, the Jews actually would make it very clear to Gentiles. They wouldn't even eat with them. Lest they be contaminated by the Gentiles. But now, through the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, Gentiles are brought near to God. And they become fellow citizens. That's really critical language. Citizens, part of the nation of Israel, if you will. The people of Israel, the household of God. This is radical language. So now Paul says, now both Jews and Gentiles. Could you imagine this letter being read out in Ephesus? In a little house church. And there's both Jews and Gentiles who are kind of like, this is really weird. We've never done this before. I don't like sitting around you. I'm pretty sure you have the cooties of some sort. Something bad is going to happen to me because you're here. For real. Now Paul says this. You both have access to God through Jesus. Jesus is the only way you have access to God. By one spirit. You're both heirs of God's family. You're now one new humanity. Guys, you can't imagine how, how challenging this would be. It'd be like, well, if, you, if you're watching the news right now, it'd be like Jews and Palestinians saying, you're my brother. Only God we have to go together and only Jesus can get us there. Imagine that he's talking about to, to Jews, the Roman Empire, that a Roman soldier could come up to you at any time and make you do whatever he wants with impunity. Carry my stuff. Do this. Do that. A, a, a nation that has been demonstrating their power by crucifying your friends outside the city so when you walk in, you can remember if I oppose these guys... This is what they'll do to me. Paul's saying, yeah, they're in with you. God's reconciling you with one another. Through Jesus. This one new humanity. Oh, this is radical stuff, Paul's saying. So in this passage, we've got to re- realize that the gospel, both have to be part of it. This is just simple one-on-one basics in the Bible. That the gospel reconciles us to God and each other. John in his writings say things just real simple. If you say God and hate your brother, you are a liar. <laughs> John just was like, he's, he's the apostle of love. And it's like, wow, it doesn't feel very loving when you say that. But, but, but wow. So we see in this in this passage, the gospel reconciles us to God and each other. What else can we rediscover? I think we can rediscover the kingdom. And here's what I mean: is that Jesus is the King of the kingdom. We we did a whole series. If if you want to get a far more unpacked version of what does it mean that Jesus is bringing the kingdom, but in simple words, it's simply this: Jesus is coming to set everything right the way God meant it to be. When Jesus returns, all things will be set right. And he's starting to set it right through us. So Jesus is king. Here's the language used of Jesus that, that, that Paul uses about Jesus. That we have the same power that the Holy Spirit that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Seated at him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That's not just trying to say, where did Jesus go physically? This is language that says seated at God's right hand, meaning Jesus has been crowned king. Does that make sense? inauguration has happened for President Jesus. That That's the language that's here, okay? That's the critical part of the language, is that Jesus was seated at God's right hand in the heavenly realms, above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that's invoked, not in just the present age, but the one to come. That's a pretty thorough statement about who the king is. 
Nobody at any time ever is in a contest for ruling the world. Okay? Really simple. But only Jesus can bring the kingdom. Okay? He's the only king who can bring the kingdom. So how do we see that here? Paul's praying for us. Um, no, he's talking about the gospel at the very beginning. And he said this mystery of God's will, he purposes in Christ, is to put, be put into effect when the times reach the fulfillment. What does that mean? When the kingdom comes. What's the kingdom look like? To bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under one president, Jesus. Make sense? So, so just saying here, stuff we've already talked about, only King Jesus can bring the kingdom. Critical rediscovery. Might seem obvious, not so obvious. We'll see it here in a minute. I think we can also rediscover something about church. Now, I'm just saying what I'm rediscovering as I read this passage. I'm sure you're seeing things I don't. That's the beauty of Scripture. But the church demonstrates right now, right now, the church demonstrates what it looks like for King Jesus to be setting the world right. Does that make sense? So this powerful language. Paul says that God's intent was that now. See, God's intent was that now. Now through the church. Now through the church. It's critically Now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to those same rulers and authorities that Jesus is over in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are not just here for, to get saved and, and, and take off and escape this here world. That, that, that is actually a false teaching, friends. It's not biblical. The true thing is that right now, God, through his church, demonstrates to a watching world, this is what it looks like when King Jesus is in charge. Won't you want to come in? And here's something fascinating about that word manifold. That word manifold in Greek, that there's a number of ways you can translate it. It's multicolored, diverse, intricate, much variated. It's gorgeous. Multicolored. Isn't that cool? So, here's kind of the summary of just things I think we could rediscover. Just one passage of Scripture. You know, because remember we talked about Josiah, they're in the temple, and they're like, hey, Josiah, we found the Bible. <laughs> they lost the Bible. <laughs> it's just, you, priest's not doing his job all that that well, and you lose the Bible, right? It is like, dude, what are you doing? He was like, I was playing a lot of golf or something. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Out with the sheep or something, you know, I don't know. But, uh, so... We can rediscover that the gospel reconciles us to God and each other. That's the gospel. That's the full gospel. That the kingdom, only King Jesus, the one king, can bring the kingdom. And that the church is meant to demonstrate the kingdom now. Okay? So again, I'm just giving you an example. So, let's talk about the next movement. We say, if we rediscover, let's just pretend we're rediscovering these things. Then how do we repent? Is there a repentance in here for us? Well, like Josiah, he looked at the book of law and was like, eh, we're not like this at all. We're crazy. What are we doing? And so let's, I'll just, these are great questions to ask ourselves. It's very simple as how does my understanding and practice? Okay. Let me just reiterate something I said last week. In a Western culture, we've over years and years of education, believe that if we know or understand something, that means we've mastered it. And that's not a biblical worldview. The biblical worldview is you've mastered it if you're doing it. Does that make sense? We're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. Does that make sense? That was just, we just read the gospel, all right? By grace, through faith, for works. So, so in my understanding and practice of the gospel, do I believe it reconciles me to God and to others? Am I living that way? I can tell you with myself that the the chronic, or I shouldn't say chronic, the cyclical guilt I feel based on nothing 
shows me that there's part of the gospel I have not imbibed yet. Does that make sense? That, 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 do I really believe Jesus fully forgives me and loves me? Well, then that guilt's out of order. There's something wrong with my belief and practice in the gospel. And am I going to, you know? So, okay, great. I want to change my mind about that. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. For some reason, I don't believe you love me and forgive me. I'm going to believe it. There's more to it than that. I understand that. But it's, but here's the one I'm really going after here today. Is do we believe that the gospel reconciles us to each other? That's a hard one, isn't it? We're very individualistic culture, aren't we? So, so, so if you're like me, most of the streams I was raised in were all about my personal salvation because I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? That makes a lot of sense. But missed the community part. Didn't quite, I was kind of skipped over the verses of if you don't love your brother, then you don't really know God. That's too hard. <laughs> right? Oh, Lord, yes. Yeah, some of my practice, are there people I avoid? Are there people I avoid in the body of Jesus? Oh, Jesus, help. Are there people that I still got some stuff? Just rediscovering the basics, okay? It's just the basics. How about my understanding and practice of the kingdom? Do I really believe that only King Jesus can bring the kingdom? I'll tell you this. I get tempted every Sunday morning to believe it's my sermons that are going to bring the kingdom of God. How do I know? I'm anxious. Why would I care about what you think of a sermon or if it's good or not if only Jesus can really bring the kingdom? There's not all that much actually resting on what I say. I'm just reminding us of what actually is happening. Does that make sense? Jesus is going to bring it whether I'm good at not or not. I bet you have some things you get nervous about too. Maybe there's, there's, there's a someone in your life that you unwittingly are trying to save. <laughs> Only Jesus can bring the kingdom. Only Jesus can do the restoration. And church, 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 church. How does our understanding and practice of being church compare with what Paul says when that through the church now, the multicolored wisdom of God, the diverse wisdom of God is being demonstrated to a watching world? This is where I, I, I just have to ask myself the questions, you know, to say, oh, man. I don't know. I, I do know this. There's a lot of things I've learned just in the last year about the lack of, of integration, just around, not just race, but race is one of them. There's all kinds of different multicolored things that don't happen in my church experience. Not just race. You, you follow me? Right? There's other, there's other isms that get us apart. I'm like, oh Lord, are we the demonstration of miraculous ability for people that are very different from one another to be in love with one another? Oh man. And, and guys, okay, now listen, I'm aware of a lot of arguments and a lot of theories going on. I'm aware of them. I'm aware of them. Please. I'm still catching up on the books and emails sent my way. You're welcome to continue send them. I will do my best. <laughs> there's, there's a lot out there. I'm, I'm aware of this. But just from a simplistic standpoint, do we feel like, now here's where it gets hard, Believer's Church is a look at that multicolored, diverse expression of what it looks like to be Jesus. Do we think our city the church in the city of Tulsa. I, 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 I'm from uh, Iowa. Like, I think I probably told you, they're, they're, in my little town of 4,000, there was one, one African-American family. So we just, just 
then it was on our grid, whatever. But I remember coming to Tulsa, I was like, wow, it's really, really weird that all the black churches are in the north and the white ones are in the south. Is, is that weird? Is it? I'm just asking a really, really simple question about myself to say, you just know that, right? When you say North Tulsa, what do you think? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know how we're doing. I don't know. All I know is, all I know is I'm responsible here. Okay? So I'm, that's what I'm asking the Lord. Lord, what beautiful, what lovely, diverse expression do you want to have that'll show off how smart you are to the world? That'll show off a world that's freaking out about this very issue, but we're in the only place that it actually can be solved. Okay. So we, we talk about reform. I'm going to pop, you know, there's two parts. One's restarting the basics. This is pretty straightforward. You know, if, if this is what we see that we rediscovered and we're, we're going to change our behaviors, let's be reconciled to God and each other, right? Like, actually take actions toward that. <laughs> oh, man. It sounds just kind of weird. Like, yeah, big deal. This is a big deal, isn't it? <laughs> because if you're like me, you might be thinking of the one person. Your hope is excluded from this little shindig here. Right? You know what I'm talking about? I remember once. This is early in Believer's Church history. Is Pastor Ed uh, was preaching about this very thing, and I knew I need to make a phone call as soon as I get home. That somebody really hurt me. But I had stuff against him. I said, can you forgive me? Can we restart? Could we start to get naive enough, I'm saying that on purpose, to believe that only King Jesus can bring the kingdom? Is there naivete in that? Maybe. Or maybe it's the Bible. Maybe we could do something. Maybe Jesus would take us somewhere to start to demonstrate in an even more beautiful way the manifold wisdom of God to the world. Are there ways that Jesus wants to do that in us, in our city, in our nation? I bet he does. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't be wasting his breath talking about it in the scriptures. That God wants to show off how smart he is, how beautiful he is, by his multicolored, diverse wisdom in his church. What would that be to a, a crazed watching world? A desperate, confused, frightened, and angry watching world. So, the other part of, of, of the reform is removing the idols. Now, I want to say a couple things about this. One is we, we move this by the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? I had somebody say to me this week who's obsessive like me, okay, saying, what idols can I not see? I don't know what idols I have. It's like, okay, that's not helping you to, to be fearful that there's all these idols that you don't know about and only God and everyone else knows. And sorry, guess. You know, I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> that is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this openness to the Holy Spirit to say, will you show me something that I can't see? And let me tell you this, the Spirit's invitations are always specific and filled with hope. That's really important for us to They're always specific and filled with hope. Why? Because Jesus, the minute we repent, he says, I forgive you and I love you. I'm not going anywhere. I've been coming after you this whole time. I'm in it for your success. That's why I'm here. So we know when the Spirit's dealing with stuff, it's ne never enjoyable to realize, oh my goodness, I've had, you know, 
I've had lettuce on my teeth this whole time. My mom once went to a, an interview for a job and went home and realized the whole time she'd had a cotton ball hanging from her earring. So this came home like, well, I'm pretty sure I'm not getting that one. But that's what our idolatry is like, right? It's the stuff we can't see. They're like, oh, Lord. doesn't mean you like to hear it, but there's, oh, it's specific and there's hope because Jesus is the one bringing through it, us through it. And, and I mentioned that we're dealing with the idol of racism, but I'm realizing in a lot of ways that's pretty nonspecific. There's a lot of pieces to this whole thing, right? Uh, and, and there's a lot of mudslinging out there. Anybody notice this? Okay, just me. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy going on in our culture. So, so what I wanted to suggest, a few things I feel like for us as a church that might be idols that Jesus is pointing out. So um, the first one is simply this, division. And I love it how this writer named John Perkins, who I didn't know this. Did you know John Perkins, actually, he's one of the best voices out there of gospel addressing, uh, uh, the gospel address to the issue of racism and ethnicity. He actually spoke at Believer's Church one time. I didn't know this. Roger, when was that? Like 100 years ago, maybe 2004 or something like that or five. But um, anyway, he, he, John Perkins says this about us as the church, as all of us. He said, he said, here's the thing we need to repent is that we're divided and it doesn't bother us. We've just gotten used to it. <laughs> oh man, but it sounds so idealistic to be one, doesn't it? But did Jesus pray this or did he not? It's his last prayer, John 17, the longest prayer we have on record. And the central thing is saying, I've given you guys the same glory God gave me in order that you'll be one as me and the Father are one. What for? So that all the world will know that I was sent from the Father. Just in Paul's different words, you will manifest, show the kingdom to a watching world that this is the one true way that God himself is restoring the world the way it's meant to be. It's a deal. It's a real deal. So I have to ask myself, yeah, is it weird? Okay, guys, just hang with me here. I just love you so much. You guys are so good. But is it weird that we're almost completely white and our neighborhood's not? Is that weird? It's just a question. And is it weird that I've been okay with that? I'm just asking a question. I never, ever knew I'd be going down this conversation in my life. But that's the fun of following Jesus. It's a new adventure all the time. And he doesn't really care if I like it or not. Is that weird? I think it kind of is. And I got to tell you this, guys. The Lord has brought us some phenomenal people that don't look like the most of us that have been so full of the Holy Spirit and love for Jesus that I'm starting to have visions of how beautiful our expressions can start. They've been beautiful up to now. God's doing great things in us. But the, the road with Jesus is a road of constant change. If we're not up for change, we're not up for following Jesus. Because the, the, the reason we say follow is because he's moving. You know what I'm saying? It's not camping with Jesus. It, 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 and the challenge is, especially the older I get, the less I want to keep moving. Why? Because you, you hit disappointments in life, don't you? You hit you know, so these, the, the idealism of youth, man. You get the snot beat out of you. And if you don't believe it, listen to songs from the 80s. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you're my age. I turned 50 this year. All those songs from the 80s, none of them are true. You know, we'll build this world together. You know, it's like, I'm pretty sure that person's addicted to something, you know. <laughs> and that's the way it's landed for them, you know. So, uh, 
Okay, I'm going to get, the next two are going to be spicy, okay? So just hang with me. And I want to tell you, I, I, have, I, I have consistently, as I've been praying for you, I feel the Lord's pleasure over you. I feel his joy over us. I feel he's just so proud of how you're responding to his instructions. Can you just hear that? That that's, this is the way Jesus changes us. He trusts us with change. He's not like, oh, you're so irritating until I can get you the way I want you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive. We have to rediscover the gospel. It makes us able to change. Does that make sense? Because then when we know Jesus is confronting us something, it's not his love that's in question or our identity is in question. That's never in question. Rather, it's, I want to make you more like me. I want to fulfill my purposes for you, which is to display the multicolored, diverse wisdom to the rulers and authorities. And they think they have the answers, but they have no idea. Which disordered authority is a real thing, guys. What do I mean by that? Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And then I'll add everything else to it. But i got to be honest... I don't know about you, but it's easier to pull up a YouTube video than pull out my Bible. It's easier to go try to listen to the guy who I think, maybe that guy's good, he seems good. Maybe that guy's good, he seems good. Maybe that guy, no, he's dumb. You know, And honestly, if you start thinking about it, what your metrics are, who knows what they are. It might be just what your mood was, what you ate for lunch that day, what they look like. I mean, I'm terrified at some of our... Okay, forget it. We're such an image-driven culture that if you look good, people think you have something to say. It's not true. (laughs) Just because you have nice bone structure doesn't mean there's a lot of wisdom here. Is, Is there an idol that we have that that maybe we've given up on true authority of Jesus. That when we're confronted with something, whether it's in our culture, in our own church, that the first place we go is not the place of prayer. It's not the scriptures themselves to say, i got to find what God says about this. You say, that sounds like a lot of work. Okay. Are we in it to win it or not? I mean, we blow a lot of time on these these uh, videos. You ever, you ever gone down a rabbit hole and say, whoa, it's not the same day anymore? <laughs> right? There, there, and I'll just say this. There are some... Okay. In the absence of the church, us demonstrating the multicolored beauty of the kingdom of God... There are just some really bad answers out there. There's some bad answers being suggested. There's two polls. There's, there's the one poll is this, is that, that, um, racism is the worst sin and it's probably unforgivable. That's one poll. Now you know that's not true, right? We just looked at the gospel. Either the gospel's true or it's not. And did you know this? That there, there is only one, there is an unforgivable sin, but it's not racism. Does anybody know what it is? Jesus told us it's to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? For the OCD sufferers, it's not something you can do by accident, okay? I'm being absolutely serious. You can't do this by accident. It's to reject Jesus. That's what it is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So the Pharisees are going, you're casting out demons by the devil. He, in other words, you're saying, this is not God. This is You are not who you say you are. You are not who the te- Holy Spirit testifies you to. Guys, the, the major sin that will destroy everything is to de- deny Jesus as king. That's what's at stake. Does that make sense? Jesus is the one who is able to bring the multicolored, diverse oneness in people's. So, of course, you're going to have insane answers for people who deny Jesus. You see what I'm saying? 
So you, you, you guys have heard about critical race theory, the organization Black Lives Matter. They're, they're coming up with really bad answers that are not gospel answers. Okay? So but why get nervous about that? Of course, people who don't know the king aren't going to act like he exists. But the world is groaning for the kingdom. It's groaning for the kingdom. There are true bad things going down. They were like, I can't live this way. We've got to do something with this. Because the opposite, opposite deal, and I think this is way more of a temptation for Believer's Church than us, is like, what's the big deal? Can't we just get past this? You know? And then we have all these explanations as to why. Guys, I'm just telling you, please get before the Holy Spirit about this. You have to get before Jesus about this. This is what the, the, the trouble with these idols that have been here a long time is you can't see them. And, and God, I'm telling you, is addressing us as a church about this lack of diversity. Not saying, I don't like you till you're diverse. It's like, I want to show off to a world that's freaking out that you guys know how to do this. Why? Because Jesus is your king. You're not that smart. You're not that pretty. I mean, he's talking to me at this point. You are gorgeous. But I can do miracles that nobody understands. Jesus had in his own disciples a zealot, a guy who we might even call a terrorist today, who would come up behind Roman soldiers and knife them. Would actually kill. And in that same group of his main guys, a tax collector who collected money for the Roman government as a traitor to the nation of Israel. Those are the guys that Jesus is counting the salvation of the world on. Think about that. Jesus is telling us something profound. So we've got to be careful. What is our authority? It has to be King Jesus. And not just in kind of a, a, a vague way. Going to the scriptures. Praying. This is why we're doing the pause in prayer. Before we react and post. Jesus, what are you saying and doing? Holy Spirit, could we fast and pray for these answers? Could we be the answer? I think Jesus, his scriptures seem to indicate it to me. Here's another one. This is going to go over really good. Is disordered nationalism. What do I mean by disordered? We are people of the kingdom that Jesus is the king. That is our primary identity. That's why we have a whole series on the kingdom. It is a good thing to love our nation. It is a good thing to be proud of it. It's a good thing to want to improve it. But it has to, if you're a follower of Jesus, be subservient to following King Jesus. Whatever he asks. This is a tough one, guys. This is a tough one because it's, it's very invisible in our hearts. I could go on and on. And I actually do, we'll probably be, be dealing with it in more depth in the future. But it's really tied into the racism question. Because I've watched people, instead of going straight to Jesus about the question of diversity, racism in the history of America, racism in the history of our city, which all has happened, but they get all hot and bothered about defending a nation rather than saying, what is Jesus asking? Does that make sense? Again, it's good to love a nation. It's good to love our nation. It's good to see it improve. But we are kingdom people. So the first concern is what is Jesus saying about demonstrating his kingdom in the earth? No, never, you won't find anywhere in the scripture that he said, I'm going to find the one government that's going to be able to do it. The one human government. It does not exist. He said, it's my church. We just read it. That will demonstrate what the kingdom looks like. And in some governments, there's a lot of resonance with some, not at all. But the kingdom is coming either way. <laughs> either way. If we're completely freaked out that things didn't go well politically for us, I want you to go to prayer and your scriptures. Who is the king? 
The way we can know it is if we're afraid. If we're afraid, we're not trusting Jesus. That make sense? Okay. Last two idols. Apathy. This doesn't apply to me. Anybody feel that way? How does this apply to me? I'll tell you this. You're in the kingdom. That's how. You're the answer. You're the answer the world's looking for. And so, oh my goodness, it's so, and I'm so guilty of this. I don't know how this affects me personally, so I don't know if I need to pay attention to it. I'm really glad Jesus didn't say that about me. You know what I'm saying? Now, that doesn't mean that every concern in the world is, is, is what we're pinned down. No, but it means we have to go to Jesus and say, wow, something's really messed up. And I can even see it in the church. What do you want me to do? And the other one, the, the twin with there is, is comfort, right? Ah, oh, comfort. I love comfort. Don't you love comfort? I love my comfort. I've got my chair. Maybe got a chair at your house. You know? You know, I, I've got, I got my stuff, man. But, but the bottom line is, have you ever just binged on your own comfort, like on a weekend? You feel kind of gross by the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, what did I do? It's just, it, 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 could it be possible that we don't know ourselves as well as we think we do? Could it be possible that the good life that Jesus is leading us into has a lot of activity and engagement involved in it? Empowered by the Spirit? Okay. All right. Well, so, rediscovery, parent reform, we're, we're, we're trying to talk about this with racism. The question, so the question is, what do you, what do you, what am I going to do? This is a question for you to ask yourself. And this is just really simple. Listen to Jesus. Go to Jesus, please. Please go to Jesus. Please go to Jesus. Please go to Jesus. Please go to Jesus and ask Jesus. Please go to Jesus. I don't know how to say it any more clear. Please go to Jesus. I need to hear it myself, guys. I need to hear, just because I get paid to do this doesn't mean I think of it. Scripture, what did the Scripture say? You are smart, I'm telling you. Don't believe the thing. Sometimes we preachers, just to give job security, we use Greek terms and stuff like that that make it sound harder than it is. You, you, you can understand what you need to understand. Trust me, you can. You can understand what you need to understand. Go to the scriptures. Go to prayer. Pause in prayer. Ask the Lord. Just ask Him. And this is where that idol of comfort happens. He's like, okay, some of you all probably do it. Please do it. You are the target audience. For this moment, there's so much history. Guys, I just got to tell you, with the apathy thing, that what I've learned, especially for the black church in America, we talk about there's a second story that's back here. We say Jesus is the answer. They've heard that before from the white church. And what it meant was, all I know is my individual comfort, and that seems to be going well with Jesus. Jesus is the answer. So, so I understand when some of my black brothers and sisters are like, I'm getting discouraged right now. Are you just talking about Jesus? Well, if we do what the scriptures say, which means we're saved by grace, through faith, for what? For acting. If we actually do it, it's actually super hopeful. Make sense? Okay. Hey, community! Oh my goodness, it's been so enlightening to me, especially talking to my brothers and sisters in our community of color to learn. It's been so good and helpful Thank you, thank you for your patience and your investment in us. Um, so, what are we going to do as a community? That the individual stuff, go listen to Jesus. Jesus is going to tell you something. I'll tell you this, it's just simple. Jesus is not asking you to save the world. Because he's got that covered. He's asking you to care about the world, but he will give you one or two specific things he wants to do. Does that make sense? He'll give you one or two specific. For you, it might just be a friendship. I don't know. It may be something very, very simple. But here's some things I'd like to make available to you. I'd, I'd like to watch. We, we posted a video that the Centennial Commission put together. It's just a 20-minute, just simple history 
of the race massacre. I got to tell you, it's just been so helpful for me to learn. I have learned so much about the spiritual history of the city. Just doing some research on this stuff going, oh, oh, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I've lived here for 30 years and I don't know this. Maybe that's just because I live under a rock, but maybe not. Just learn. Learn about what, what are people talking about. So we've got, we actually link right on our website to get to that. Another one, we are holding a prayer of solemn assembly. Guys, I'm so excited about this. We are simply going to get together. We're going to hear from these speakers, JT Thomas, Will Ford, and, and, uh, Billy Humphrey. I'll, I'll tell you, these guys are filled with the Holy Spirit. They know Jesus. I'd, I'd listened to JT before and thought he was amazing. And then I thought, I'd never heard Billy Humphrey. I went on a jog when I was listening to Billy. And somehow, I ran the fastest four miles I'd ever run. And I was crying. I'm not kidding. I'm like, <laughs> you know. It's like, how did this happen? The guy's so filled with the Holy Spirit. Dealing with this stuff. He's been in Atlanta for 25 years. Uh, doing a house of prayer there. Doing crazy stuff and seeing breakthroughs. We're going to pray together. That is, that, that's, what do you, what is Believer's Church supposed to do? This is what I know we're supposed to do right now. Let's pray and ask the Lord what to do. Everything has to be rooted in prayer. God has no obligation to sustain anything He doesn't start. But what if He does start it? I get to be part of it. JT Thomas, next Sunday is going to speak here, guys. This is a big deal. He's like a really, really trusted voice nationally on this whole conversation. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm shocked that we're able to get him here. So the next Sunday is going to be really, really fun. If you want to look up civil righteousness and see some of what JT's done, it, it, he's amazing. He's been working with 24-7, uh, John Mark Comer's church on the West Coast. So that it, it, he's just a, a real, real deal. And so then the other thing was we're going to have something called Reflect Group. Mike, Seth, come quick. I know this is going long. This is, here's the thing. So, like, I usually try to have one point when I preach so we can remember it, but this is just not one of those dandy little subjects you slap a sticker on, you know? Not that I'm trying to do that, but in the other sermons. Uh, but I wanted these guys to talk about Reflect Group. We, we've been meeting, actually, with a group of about 20 of us since August of last year, saying, Lord, what, we should, what do you want us to do about this very question? We met from August to November, took a break, and now these guys have reengaged with some others, and they're going to be leading this thing called the Reflect Group. Tell us about it. Mike Jones, Seth Kittinger, welcome them, please. Damn, God has so much more energy than I do. <laughs> um, so, um, Guile mentioned that we got together about a year ago and, and started to get into a Zoom group to discuss race and rec reconciliation. And um, what's really interesting is we discovered a lot of things um, that we didn't know. <laughs> um, uh, loving your neighbor as loving yourself, that's what Jesus tells us to do. Turns out that's actually a muscle you kind of have to work. <laughs> we don't come in naturally just having ooey-gooey's for each other. So um, in this group, um, we learned a lot about ourselves. We talked about prejudice. Um, I'm a person of color. Um, the world would teach that because I'm a person of color, that I just can't possibly have any prejudice, but we found out that that's, that's not true. There's actually a few areas of prejudice that I had to learn about, I had to repent about. Um, what was really cool is to have a group to um, express these ideas and to work this muscle. Um, going to the gym, it's never fun going by yourself. Um, it's always fun to do it with people. And Reflect Group is a way for us to um, collectively exercise that muscle to be able to listen to one another, love one another, and repent together collectively um, in a way that makes us more fitting of the kingdom. Um, since we're running out of time, I'm going to let Seth talk about his experience a little bit with it. So I was a part of that same group over this last half a year that Mike was talking about, and 
Mike called me a few weeks ago and asked me if I would uh, consider helping facilitate this reflect group. And I just kind of thought like, well, I don't know. I, I'm not really like super passionate about this. So I don't really know if I should be one of the people leading. So I told him what I tell anybody anytime they ask me to do anything. I said, I'll talk to my wife and we'll talk to Jesus. And so we did. And we both felt a sense that Jesus was nudging in this direction. And so I went and I met with my brother, Mike, and our brother, Ryan Jackson, and our sister, Kara Mosby. And we sat and even in that meeting, sitting there thinking, I don't know why I'm here. I'm the least passionate person in this room about this. Jesus, why do you want me here? But I've stuck with the conversation over the last few weeks. And I just know Jesus wants me to be here. And I got to experience a few nights ago, earlier this week, sitting with Mike and Ryan and Kara talking about this stuff, talking about things that we disagree about and not unimportant things, important things that we disagree on. And we experienced in that room, and I experienced in my heart, the miracle that Guile was talking about earlier, where I'm sitting across the table from people who are different than me that I disagree with on important things and going, I have so much affection in my heart for you. You're beautiful. Let's follow Jesus together. Let's see where he's leading, what he's doing. It's not about if you're super passionate about this right now. It's about, does Jesus want you to do this? We're, uh, as a church, we're a part of 24-7 prayer. And the leader, Pete Gregg, I once heard him say, uh, you know, 24-7's mission is prayer, mission, and justice. That's what we're about. And I heard him say one time, you know what? To be perfectly honest, I'm not that passionate about prayer or mission or justice. I don't really care about those things that much because I'm just too selfish. But I like Jesus. And so I want to learn how to talk to him. That's prayer. I want to learn how to talk to other people about him. That's mission. And I want to learn to partner with him in what he's doing in the world. That's justice. So so that's why I'm about those things. But I, I can say along with that, I don't really care that much about racial reconciliation. And I realize some of you just lost all respect for me right now. But what I do care about is following Jesus wherever he leads. And he leads us into uncomfortable areas so we can grow to become passionate about the things that he's passionate about, not as those things. We're good at being passionate about things, but Jesus is just calling us to come along with him and let him put his passion into our hearts. So our invitation this morning is not to try to get you to feel guilty enough to try to commit to something else. It's just what Guile just said over and over and over again. Will you please ask Jesus? Ask Jesus if this is something that he wants you to be a part of. And if he says no, ask what else he might have you do to participate in this thing that he is doing in our midst. Amen? One last thing I wanted to say is um, there's just so much division and controversy around this subject. Um, I definitely think that, and I think all the church leaders of Tulsa would agree, but this issue is just not going to go away. Um, if you lean a little heavily into the left realm of politics, this is an activism. This is a call back to what we as Christians originally practiced, as Kyle mentioned. And if you're leaning in the realm of the right wing and you're thinking, man, this trend is going to go away, it, it, it's not going to go away. I don't want to be foolishly looking around for oil when Jesus returns. Let's do it together. So let's go ahead and stand together. Thanks for hanging in here with, with us. I just want to say I sense just the Lord's pleasure over us. Our openness to say whatever you say, Jesus, whatever you want. And if you go to this one spot, BC Tulsa, you'll see ways to engage in the front. So if this is too much information, it'll show the videos there, the times and stuff for the prayer thing. I would love it if we ran out of room with the Reflect group, if we ran out of room praying um, this next week. I, I, I think the Lord wants to do something beautiful and we get to uh, join him with it. Sound good? All right. Love you guys. Have a great week.